Hi everyone, I'm Asa Stuart Shepherd. I'm the past president of the Rotary Club of Georgetown Central and the Rotarian of Rotary Club of Georgetown Central. Today I'm your host of the podcast Rotor Chat and we'll be speaking on the topic of youth development and security. We have our guest Rotaractor Ornice, who was born and raised in the mining town of Linden. She's an attorney law by profession. And we also have Rotaractor Lexon, who is a social worker at the Georgetown School of Nursing under the Ministry of Health. She acts as a mediator on behalf of the students and assists them in providing coping mechanisms when they are faced with social issues. So this will be an interesting discussion. I'm very looking forward to it. All right. So the first area that we're dealing with is youth development. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to go into some questions concerning youth development, and then I'm going to go into some questions concerning security, all right, because in some ways they kind of connect with each other. So what I will do, since we're dealing with youth development, I'll start with Lexan, and then when we get to security and crime, I'll be starting with Ernie. So just prepare yourself, get yourself ready for this, all right? Okay. All right, so the first question is, uh, when we speak about youth, we are speaking about a time between childhood and adulthood. And we know they have international standards for youth, which state youth uh, end either by 30 or 35, but we're not going to 30 or 35. We stick into this particular age, and to more or less refine it even more, I would say adulthood would be at 21 rather than 18, so that we have a space that we're working with, right? Okay. All right, so, so most of this time is spent at home or at school. What role do you think the home and schools play in youth development? All right, so let's start with the home. As we know, the home is where, you know, morals are molded, the children are um, nurtured, they're taught to respect others, show love, show kindness. And then at the same time, at the schools, the teachers would also teach them the same thing. Mm -hmm. The school and the home play a role in developing a child. Mm -hmm. um, the school will go more in-depth in terms of the academics. While the school is playing that role, it's also expected that at home, the child is given assistance, you know, in order to keep up with their academics. That's the main role that is the home and the school plays in terms of developing a child or a youth, as it would say. All right, you noted that there's an aspect of nature and then there's an aspect of nurture that leads to development. Correct. All right, um, so you're saying that the home and the school can play that important role in the aspect of nurturing the child into going a certain way. Based on what you said before, I said a lot of what we learn at an early age comes from the home. From the home. All right, which I say is nurture over nature. Behaviors, mm -hmm. how you treat others, it all starts from in the home. Okay. Because remember, we observe and we, mm -hmm. we basically mimic what we see at home. Yes, and I think I've done heard some studies where they say that I think up to the age of nine, you probably would have learned most of the qualities you would learn for the rest of your lifetime. Yes, and that kind of stays with you. It might not come out right away, mm -hmm. but then sometimes you'd find that along the line, you know, you would show behaviors of what, you know, you, mm -hmm. were, you were taught at home. Okay. Uh, Ernest, you have any views on this area? Yes, I would agree with Lexan in that the home, because you are nurtured at home and you're basically reared, it plays a great part in your development and your skills, your skill sets and even your attitude 
mm-hmm. as you embark upon life. Mm-hmm. And indeed, school as well. I mean, you come from home and then you enter the school setting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a social worker, so I won't be able to adequately go deeper into that. But I know uh-huh. that some children, as a teacher, they observe that they observe Mm-hmm. how the children act and they can tell like what type of homes oh, they yeah. come from mm-hmm. and they, they at that point the teacher now has to guide them based on the specific situation of the specific child the teacher mm-hmm. now has to try to see if she can accommodate them in any way uh, correct so, yeah sometimes the teachers play the role of a second parent almost correct yes, yeah so i would not I, I come from a form of teachers so for a lot of uh, my grandmother's sh- um, students, even my aunt, and like it was like if they were a second mother, they would take great care into them. And and sometimes I think teachers play a very important role in the rearing of children. Correct. And as you would know, that that sometimes can be a challenge as well. Yes, yes. it can. Because be. when they leave school, they're going right back into. Let's say if it's a bad environment, you're going mm-hmm. right back into that environment. So. Uh, well, this this actually goes straight into the next question, uh, very important. I'm, I'm very happy you made that observation. We have a situation whereby we have households that are a bit different than they used to be, in that they are in a situation whereby, okay, you have one parent working and one parent at home to be there and you know watch over the children and nurture them in that particular way. We have a situation whereby we, you have both parents probably have to work to even make ends meet to or or get to the life that they actually want, which which means that they're both busy, and there is a possibility that they might not be there as they would like to, um, in relation to caring for the children and nurturing the children and passing on relevant information. So the question is, um, do you believe youths in particular? are at risk in losing cultural heritage because of this? And how can this be bridged? Um, yes, I believe that the youths are at a risk. As you mentioned, that there's a, a breakdown now in how the family functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents are more dependent on the teachers to raise the children, actually society to raise the children because they're not there to commit themselves fully. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, the task is much harder now because we have both genders going out and work. Mm-hmm. I think that the way we can, um, the way that we can curb this is, we might need to have more interactions with parents, mm-hmm. right? Um, Finding out ways how they can spend more time with their children, creating schedules, making sure that, yes, you know, I am bringing in an income, I'm taking care of you financially. However, I still have to make sure that I pass down certain values so that mm-hmm. you can be good when you grow up in society. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, it's very important for parents to still remember their main role, which is to nurture. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that we would need to educate parents more on how to balance work life mm-hmm. and then still being able to commit. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. What was situation? I, this is just a true question. For either of you can come in on this one. Your situation whereby we have a lot of single parent households. 
whereby the mothers or fathers, they will have to work two, sometimes three jobs just to provide for the children. Um, and in instance, when you're, working, when you're working that much, you literally don't have time. You're not at home because uh, you come from a nine to five and you go straight into another job. So yeah. how, what do you think can be done to help allow for the culture to be shared in that kind of environment? Well, if it is possible, mm-hmm. I was thinking that maybe you can have them interact with grandparents and aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. And if also, if you have the means, you can enroll them in after-school activities mm-hmm. that are geared towards cultural advancement or like to just teach them certain cultural skills that they may need to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is extremely good um, observation. Uh, and that's something that we, I, I believe there was part when you said like a village, it takes a village to raise a child, yeah, that's okay. what it meant. It meant that the grandparents, even the neighbors sometimes, <laughs> will be overseeing what's going on with the child and would ensure that, you know, they behave themselves. So you could get, well, well I part, part from Barbie. So I come from a village whereby if you behave bad, you could get licks from anybody in the village. Correct. <laughs> right. But I think that, um, mm-hmm. I think that even in the communities, there have been a, a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Because you would even find that, like, when you're going home in the, um, in the evenings, your neighbors are also now going home. So it seems like their house is also empty as well. So mm-hmm. they can't even look out for, you know, the children. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in Guyana, we have the Child Protection Agency. There are professionals there mm-hmm. that can guide you to, as my fellow Interactor or any said, um, they can guide you to whether it's skill training or even if it's to play a sport, something uh-huh. to occupy their time. Mm-hmm. They can guide you to um, the various organizations that okay. can assist you when necessary. That's if you know you're going through a struggle that you can mm-hmm. balance the two. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's preferable if you know you reach out to these organizations if you really don't have anyone. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think sometimes um, some parents might be a bit concerned that if they reach out, it might seem as if they can't look after their children. Um, uh, is that a concern, something that they would have to be aware of or wary of? No, because um, the oath that social workers take is to mm-hmm. not judge, right? Okay, um, okay. It's more so we look at the outcome, how mm-hmm. we can help the outcome, help you in terms of coping with a situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, based on that, and based on what we discussed, we come to our understanding that the home is a lot empty a lot, and okay. we have a lot of what we call latchkey kids, whereby children go home with the key and they open up the door, <laughs> and for a period of time they're home by themselves. Correct. So for, and they're for, taking care of younger siblings. Yeah. So for an hour or two, they're the man or the woman of the house. Yes. And so I don't know how much benefits that comes with, but it seems like a lot of responsibility. Correct. So um, this actually is like a segue into the some of the questions in relation to crime that I'm going to look at, security and crime. Um, Ernest, I'm going to just direct the first question to you. Okay. All right. Do you think unemployment contributes to crimes among youth? And how do you think this can be addressed by youths and also government? 
But yes, I think unemployment, yes, it does contribute to crime because, you know, if they're unable to feed their family, if they're unable to feed their families or they're unable to mm-hmm. get certain necessities, they might turn to stealing mm-hmm. or burglary mm-hmm. if they want to achieve, or if they want to procure or get these items. Mm-hmm. I think groups, youth groups, mm-hmm. they, they, they help them a lot because mm-hmm. it gives them something else to focus on while they are, well, they sh- instead of thinking about making a wrong decision, mm-hmm. youth groups help them so that they can make right decisions or they at mm-hmm. least occupy their time so that they, don't, they have less time to, to make mm-hmm. these bad decisions. And I think that at government level, well, of course, the first option would be to provide job opportunities. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in addition to that, you provide skills training. So yes, that, yes. Um, that Board of Industrial Training thing that they do where they mm-hmm. train at risk youth to make block cements, mm-hmm. cement, and they yes, train yes. them to cook. They train some of them to do hair. Mm-hmm. I think that is helpful to, to children because it, when they achieve these skills mm-hmm. and they're, they're able and they're given the opportunity now to open a business of their own so they don't necessarily have to depend on getting a job per se. They mm-hmm. may be able to become self-employed. Okay. What about a situation whereby they grew up in a household where their parents are unemployed, they don't really seem, but they seem to be getting money to feed themselves. And it's an environment whereby there's no emphasis on being employed legally. Um, what can you do in, a, in an environment whereby, you know, they're trying to do better, they're trying to live a better life. What do you think can be done to address that? It could be for both of either of you. Well, you see, um, it's kind of like it's hard because, remember, we're influenced by our parents. Mm-hmm. So I think that the youth would first have to realize something bad. Uh-huh. Right? Um, because if I see mommy and daddy doing it and I trust mommy and daddy mm-hmm. and they're okay, then why can't I do it? Right? Mm-hmm. So, um... I think in in a case like this, probably it would need more so um, the youth being influenced by someone else outside of the parents' home. Mm-hmm. Because I personally don't think that they're going to actually see it and know. Yes, I know there's some cases where persons will say, no, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. But they're, most times they're influenced by someone else who is telling them, well, you know, this is a better road that you should take instead of this. Right? Uh-huh. Um, so... I think what would be needed or what would be necessary is for that youth to be influenced by, again, uh, community outreaches, uh-huh. whereby persons would go into the community. You would see um, the youths that are liming, as we would say, and you try to catch them, catch their attention, whether it's through something fun that mm. they would find interest in, whatever it might be, sports, um, a youth group or what's not. And um, I think that's how they would now realize that it's a problem, that what I'm seeing at home is not normal. Mm-hmm. And then um, once they have a, 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 a influential person outside of home, I think they'll be able to make better decisions. Okay, I think that's a pretty good answer. I think 
emphasize the importance of somebody reading outreaches that we do. Yeah, outreaching outreaches is very important because mm-hmm. there is not always someone at home there to tell you it's right or it's wrong. That's true. Yeah. Um, so have you ever experienced situations like this? Um, I would. I won't say that if they come from a life or like a family of criminals, but mm-hmm. there are cases. Remember, I worked at Legal Aid for uh, about a year and a half, and there were. There were cases where people with children, they were they, they weren't given adequate attention at home, and their parents were not, let's say, persons who would promote upliftment or promote making the right decisions. So they were, yeah, so it it mm-hmm. happens, especially in a small town like Linden too. It's, it's gonna happen. <laughs> yes, yes, and I I have heard I've had discussions with teachers in the past where they discuss the fact that they they're students. Um, literally come come to them and say, I want to grow up and become a gangster like my father Correct. and yeah. this kind of thing. Because that is what they see, that's Mommy, what they daddy. know. They're and, the first person you trust. Yeah, and sometimes mm-hmm. the teacher will be the one to talk them yeah. out of it. Or at least give them some uh, uh, alternative viewpoint. Correct. And you never know, sometimes my dad might be saving a life. So Correct. so of all the wonderful teachers out there who are doing that, well, keep doing it, please. This is just another toss-up question. Um, what factors do you believe contribute to the criminal activities among youths? Um, I would say unemployment. Um, I don't want to be a typical, well, as I would say, old persons would say this, but um, I think sometimes the music might influence mm-hmm. because um, you would find that the music promotes like fast cash like uh, money is just there mm-hmm. right and um no one really speaks about the journey or how you have to put in work before you actually accomplish something so then here it is that you're listening to this um kind of music that is saying oh get a bin get a fast car get this get that but nobody's actually saying that you have to do this maybe you have to save you have to work hard or whatever so then when you're in an environment that there's nothing positive going around now, mm-hmm. but you know that you want these things, mm-hmm. you meet to a point whereby I get it any way I could. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and peer pressure is another thing too because you have cases whereby, you know, as they say, show me a company, I'll show you who you are. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, you know, I might not want to do it, but then these are the people that I hang out with every day. And then they're here telling me that, oh, if we rob this store, we can get $30 million or we can get $3 million and we could split it. And now instead of actually thinking about, you know, the outcome and the outcome could be that one of us could get killed or Mm -hmm. one of us could go to jail, Mm -hmm. you know, or at the same time, I don't want to let down my friends. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes we underestimate the impact of a group. Correct. Uh, I think as lawyers, we know that um, once we have a jury trial, you know, we know that a juror by themselves could be a rational person, but in that group, <laughs> something happens to them. <laughs> they uh, they make decisions that when they even when they come out, they were like, I don't know why I did that. Like mm-hmm. as a group, sometimes the and and actually be. Being willing to stand out 
being willing to be ostracized from a group is um, it's a painful thing. Hard. It's hard, extremely hard. And it's easy to just go along with what everybody else is doing Correct. than to be ostracized. So I think sometimes uh, monitoring the friends that, it, that the child has is extremely important. I think also for going back to the thing of homes, the parents being open with open enough with the child so that, you know, oh, come bring your friends them over. Let's have a, let, let me see you going out. With, you know, at yeah. least an interaction so that you know who their friends are. Correct. You don't judge immediately. Correct, correct. <laughs> you get to know. Get to know. Yeah. So, you, so in that way, you can know what influences, what it, how these, these children will be influencing them. And get to know the children's background to their families. Yeah. Yep. This be very important too. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. now we have to also consider social media. Correct. So they're now seeing what people have right. on Facebook Flashing. and Instagram. So mm-hmm. they want to get these things too. So they yeah. might go to As extreme fun. lengths <laughs> to get it. <laughs> so, and I don't know how well parents will be able to monitor social media with their children. Yeah. yeah. It does, and the thing is, it doesn't take long. And children are very well-equipped to hide things. So. Well, you know, you know, um, you know something, though? Uh, when I had access to a cell phone, uh-huh. you know, it's the Nokia phone with the... <laughs> really, <laughs> most you could do is um, play, play snakes and... But now, you know, at a young age, children are given phones with, you know, the Wi-Fi and they're getting access to Facebook and what. So I I don't want to say, you know, how you should raise your child. But I think that um, maybe we're giving them too much access to certain things too fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I because, appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I think if we go back to the regular Nokia and then when you meet at a certain age mm-hmm. and... I know how you're thinking, and I feel like if, you know, the values that I um, passed on to you, it's actually there and it's instilled in you, then we could probably consider now, you know, you having mm-hmm. uh, a phone with all these various um, apps and what's not. Yeah, TikTok. TikTok is one, exactly. So Yeah, massive right now. Yeah, and <laughs> I find that the little kids knowing how to use the stuff even more than me. Yes, yes, yes. I, 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 you really and truly can't underestimate the importance or the impact of all those things. So you have all these things combined. You yeah. have, okay, you have the parents in your home. They have one set of values. Sometimes you have yeah. the grandparents. They have another set of values, another set of beliefs. Um, or, or even among the grandparents, you have the, the mother side, the father side. They have their own, their own, values. <laughs> their own values, their own beliefs. And then when you get out of the home, you have the friends, then you have the teachers, and then you have the social media. Exactly. So there's so many different things fighting for attention. And it, I guess it's finding that balance, finding thing Correct. that can... And it could be confusing sometimes for the, the child, you know, because now you're constantly in this battle whereby maybe I want to do the right thing, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to look like the lame, the lame kid. Yeah, nobody wants to be that right. lame kid. It, it, it yeah. can be painful. It can right. be. Um, because it's it, as I said, it takes a lot to stand out. Correct, correct. It takes a lot to stand out. So that's when the parents would have to be there to be strong. To and parents have to know that they they they're not um there to be a friend. When I say be a friend, I mean like you can talk to me about anything. You can ask questions. Uh-huh. But then it's not to the point whereby oh, if I buy this phone, you get this one too. Like 
you know, you gotta kind of have a mm-hmm. a balance, create some barriers so that they would know. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. Okay, so so all right. Now we get to the part of them actually being in crime. What happens when? And this, we get to the situation now where they have facing the penalties of these crime. All right. Um, so in the case where they are in prison for petty crime, uh, we have a situation where say, say that some persons go into jail with a diploma in crime and come out with a degree. Um, so <laughs> I've, I, I, I've seen, I've heard it many going times. Going to university? Yeah, I went to university. Okay. Some, some come up with masters also. They, <laughs> they, they come out better equipped Correct. Um, how to do these things. So, boy, how, how you get catch like this and then... So I've, I mean, as I said, as a part profession, I've heard a lot of stories. You have clients tell you these things, and you learn a lot from, from them. So, um, I think Ernest, you've had the option to be in with children in, in vulnerable positions. Um, what, what do you do? You think that this current system that we have would, or the influence that they meet when they go into these systems would influence them to be better, or influence them, or change them to? be worse than they are. Well, I think you know that we tend to disagree at this point with the social workers. That, <laughs> that we think that it's, it, 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 it kind of brings them out a little worse than how they went in. Mm-hmm. Like I know that you send them there to rehabilitate them, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's not working. So a lot of times when they come out, they come out even hardened than how they went in. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been my I experience as well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't disagree. Okay, well, look at that. That was so short. I wouldn't disagree. I've actually, I've actually seen that. I think sometimes, at least from what, I, from my own knowledge, um, some of the things that they can improve on is some of the children they have in there. They can't leave to attend exams in certain situations because I've been there and and it's like a um. You're serving a sentence. It's structured and okay. yeah, serving a sentence, or, or you're being held until you can get to go out and um and face the trial or whatever. Sometimes you're being held there for months because the system can be a bit slow at times. Um, and in that time, I think sometimes what it, what can be done is to ensure that they can get access to the full education. And um, but I guess there's the other aspect now that that your peers know that you're locked away. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very delicate situation it is it is it's very very delicate and i think i don't think it's a direct way mm-hmm. i don't think it's a direct way to actually handle um situations mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. it takes a lot of research and various intervention you know mm-hmm. methods and um because it always was on to the child and how they see things, mm-hmm. and then also how, e- how easily they're influenced by others. Because remember, when you're in there, you're in there with persons that are doing that probably did the same thing that you mm-hmm. did, right? Um, and then, if if so, let me just say that maybe someone is saying that you know this is the end for you, so why try to do good now? So yes, 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 that is true. Um, I think uh, there there are some children there for wandering. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, when I was there once um, for an uh, outreach program, uh, mm-hmm. they had a situation whereby a child, I think she was around 14, she was in there because she's a frequent wanderer. Her mom, she works at night. So she would leave, her mom would leave at six, the child would leave at seven, mm-hmm. and, and would return before the mom returns home. 
So the mom did not know that her child was not at home and should leave her younger sister at home. So what happened is that whenever, the only reason actually they actually caught her was because she went home and then returned Mm-hmm. in time i don't know if she fell asleep or something but she didn't return in time, in time. <laughs> so when the mother came out and she realized the daughter's not there she asked her sister where's where's this where is she mm-hmm. and that's how she learned and then from then on it became worse so she started coming home later and later and later mm-hmm. and it became a problem the mother said i can't do this anymore please take her oh so it these situations can get really bad and the the end result was that it didn't help the child because she, when she went in she and was, she went back out. Was she was introduced thing. to persons that probably did worse. Yeah, and she yeah. ended up doing worse. And those. Yeah. So I think sometimes it is, it's a very delicate situation. And um, I think it probably takes some studies on how to fix it. But, I mean, I, I think, like, in a case like that, um, I would look forward to see, you know, our country having more probably um, daycares that could assist these mothers, whether it's a... Uh, during the day or during the night oh, because oh. you also find like a lot of single mothers who probably are security guards and mm. they have to leave the children home and they're at work hoping that that child does not leave the house basically mm. that's it you're hoping that they stay inside as you said to lock up the doors and stay inside you're mm. hoping so maybe if you know we have more um organizations being involved in actually taking care of these children whereby you would find things for them to do instead of them going and look for something to do. True, I don't true, true. I don't think that a, a child wandering should have end up in in there. Yeah, yeah. Well that was my yeah. thoughts at that time too, because I didn't think it helped. No. I only know of one situation where a girl she went to the opportunity core uh-huh. and after she came out, she was reformed and she oh, wow. she had twelve subjects at CXC. That's she wrote, you know, like she mm-hmm. was she's like one success story mm-hmm, that I know. Mm-hmm. It, I guess it depends, like you Correct. said, it depends the on the individual yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. They got the ones that would always want to stand out. Never uh-huh. forget that they always have that child who wants to stand out and be different. Mm-hmm. But it's just sad that sometimes you would find that majority just wanna I guess follow. So I think I don't I don't know if we all had the we come from a society that um uh, where licks is shared, huh? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh sometimes we have stories going back uh, some fun so, some fun stories going back about well, when we are, when we got licks and we yeah. have to run from licks and have to hide. <laughs> I was talking just the other day but we're having to hide from licks. <laughs> I became very proficient at hiding <laughs> in this little barrel that I had being a day. So um, but I guess we live in society now where we have to question what whether these are the right forms of um, punishing children and whether they're effective means of correcting bad behavior. So the question I'll ask, Arnis, right, is as a child, what form of corrective punishment you would describe worked best for you and what did not work? Well, I was afraid of last year, so that worked <laughs> for me. But <laughs> I I think though the most effective would have been when you deprived when uh-huh. I was deprived of something that I wanted. Oh. That was most effective. Mm-hmm. And for ineffective, I don't know why punishment is not fun for me, so I don't know what for <laughs> ineffective. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you so you didn't get much legs going up. <laughs> no, I was a good child. <laughs> I think the, the the 
the one where they put people to sit in a car. Car, uh-huh. yeah, that was ineffective for me because I didn't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, oh. I just, yeah. I just think the one is not it. There's not it at all. Because wow. you were going to the car and then you find something else to do. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that maybe my mom used to get more annoyed at the fact that I kind of like, I'm enjoying myself though in the <laughs> car. <now. laughs> but, um, she gave these eyes though. She gave these eyes that it used to do something to me. Like, I felt like if, you know, if I push it any further, it could get worse. Uh-huh. I didn't really like lashes neither. Uh-huh. So, I didn't really did know. you find lash an effective form of correcting what, but what, but what, the bad behavior might be? You know what? Um, I thinking thinking back, I don't think so. What I um, what I find is when whenever my mom would explain to me, you know, uh-huh. what what I did, mm-hmm. right? I find that was more effective. Yes, but yeah. just hitting me, just like mm-mm. yes, I I, I agree. Because you would hear, you know, you'd hear um, children say, "No, I mean, we used to say it too, like this bun and cool, mm-hmm. right?" But when you take away something, like for instance, like um, there was one scenario where um, I was getting ready for this birthday, is my birthday, and I making all the plans with my friends, and then I went <laughs> against oh. the rules, and I. <laughs> Oh. And there it is that on my birthday, no, I had to spend it with my peers. Friends got to come over, everything canceled. I think wow. that one broke me. Wow, yes. That <laughs> is, yeah, those are like the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, those, like those the worst. worst. That was it for me. That was it. Wow, yes, yes. I remember those indeed. Like, you, you know. Something that you time, hold you know. dear to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think that especially that is used when you get older. When your parents feel, I don't yeah. think I should be beating this child anymore. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think in particular my mother, she didn't really want um to be beating beating my sister to get her accustomed to having legs mm-hmm. uh, in particular she didn't want me to because you know big brothers are usually can discipline the younger siblings mm-hmm. and i was nine years older than my sister mm-hmm. so traditionally the big brothers would discipline the children the other siblings but mm-hmm. my mother said no she doesn't want my sister to get accustomed to a man putting her, um, his hand on her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i had to find other ways mm-hmm. of um, getting my way okay. so i learned in that way, that other ways can be very more, can be more effective. Okay. Sometimes it does be more realistic. Just explain, okay, this is what the situation is. If it doesn't, if we don't do this, then this won't happen. Okay. So, for example, when my mother had to get her to go to school in the morning, it'd be, wake up. Mm-hmm. When it was my turn, I just said, this is what? Um, if you don't, if you're not ready, when it's time for me to go, I will just um, go and leave you in here. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to be home alone because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I knew I knew she didn't want to be home alone. So mm-hmm. my girl was ready before I was ready. Mm-hmm. So, she was so, fearful <laughs> of staying home. By, yep. Yeah. So I guess you you have to know what works, Correct. and then you, and use that method. Um. So what what would would you use any of these methods for your children? Well, well, right now, mm-hmm. um, what I do with my daughter is I take away stuff. Uh. I probably, you probably remember that party. Um, pardon? <laughs> you probably remember that party. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it meets to the point for her, then, you know, and she planning with your friends and I got to take it away because you misbehaved then. Mm-hmm. So be the case. But uh, things like um, maybe like a favorite toy, if you're, if I'm telling you to do something, you know, let's, let, let's say for instance, I'm saying let's go and bathe. Mm-hmm. 
and you're bent on playing with this toy and you're ignoring me, I'm going to take it away. Ah. And that's when you're going to hear the apologies coming. Mm-hmm. So when I, um, how I realized that it was effective is when um, one time she was telling my sister that um, she was staying by my sister. And when my sister told her to go and bathe, she say, um, she told her, she was speaking to her about that mommy just take away Shadali. <laughs> when she ain't bathe, right? <laughs> so she was telling her sister she always got to listen to mommy. And um, so I laugh. I mean, it's funny hearing her say what happened. But then at the same time, I, I realized that she's understanding things. Like yes. you take, like if you say it's time to go and eat now, and maybe she's on the tablet or whatnot, and you you take it away from her, mm-hmm. then you best believe she didn't eat all the food because she know that she want it back. But mm-hmm. if you ain't eat the food, then you're not seeing it back. I don't care if it's tomorrow, <laughs> next week, you're not seeing it back. I'm going to keep it with me. So uh-huh. that's for me. Um, and then I also want to get into the habit of always explaining to her why. Yes, yes. Because yes. I find like um. A lot of us, well, I can't say it for me because I find that my mom did try to explain. But then you would find that friends would laugh about the fact that, you know, your parents beating you. But then sometimes you don't even know why you get in it. Like, so it just happened. It's all the rules. Like, why? Like, why this thing happened? You don't know. So yeah. then it just comes into a habit whereby, you know, mommy mommy or daddy can get angry and get licks and then this mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I, I think um, that's my personal view. I think... When it reaches the point where a parent is beating a child without explain. giving a reason, explain. I think that's when it reaches the stage of abuse, mm-hmm. at least for me. Uh, because you can't, if you're displaying the child, they have means, to know why. They have to know why. And they, trust me, as small as they are, mm-hmm. they understand. Yeah. They, they understand. Very much. Or so. even if, let, let's say, they know they're doing something wrong and they mm-hmm. know that you're against it, from mm-hmm. the minute they see you, it's either they drop it, the gun. Yeah, yeah. Because they know. Mm-hmm. So never um, think that these children don't know mm-hmm. what you're trying to explain to them. Always talk to them because they get it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we think that maybe we're little and they didn't get it. For some unknown reason, we would feel the way. But these children they are very smart. <laughs> yeah, they understand. So, Anissa, what would you um, use for your children? Which form of punishment do you think would be, would be best? Well, I've listened to Lexa and I agree with her that restricting or taking away prize mm. possessions or things that they love, that might be effective. And, of course, I think that you always should let them know why you're punishing them, punishing them because... Mm-hmm. They need to know that they that you not want it to reoccur. So mm-hmm. you let them know that it's wrong and yep, if yep. they continue then Yeah, because I think some of the memories that stay with me are the memories of I don't even know why I get in this legs for like what <laughs> It does become a laughing, right? <laughs> yeah, like up to now. I don't know why 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 I get this legs for up to now. Um but I could say my my mom with the eyes, she used to look at me and squeeze my hand. Like if you're if she's having an adult conversation, I remember there was two instances whereby I was trying to butt in, mm-hmm. and you know that was just wrong. Nah, you're getting sorry. <laughs> Good. So, like the the next time after she did it before, I saw her eyes about to open, and I was like, nope, let me shut my mouth because 
That means I'm not allowed to speak here. It's uh-huh. a dull conversation. Uh-huh. And probably when she leaves or whatever, when we're by ourselves, maybe then I can ask a question, but not in the moment. So mm-hmm. I find like the hand squeezing the eyes though. I, maybe, maybe it depends. You know, it, you have uh-huh. to really like, um, analyze each other too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I could tell you that some children is just get beat, beat, beat and nothing. Happens. I even see it in schools too. At least mm. growing up, I saw like teachers would beat some boys, uh-huh. and then they're just gonna laugh about it, like nothing happens. So it's like they didn't even process why they get beat, mm-hmm. and they just see it as oh, I should do if I do something again, she just call me and just got put on my hand and get licks and and does it. Mm-hmm. So I find like um, as we talk about punishment, I think um, not only in the homes, but. Persons that have influence over the, the children should also consider, mm-hmm. you know, to understand this child, to know what actually works for them okay. before, you know, just beat. Mm-hmm. So I think this has been a wonderful um, discussion. Um, yes. I think we covered a lot of wonderful areas. So. I just want to thank both of you for being with us today and contributing to this third podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. <laughs>